Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that has gotten a lot of response and engagement on Instagram. It actually was inspired by... I do this thing on Instagram. I'm the money-saving mom on Instagram, by the way. And on Tuesdays, I answer questions related to teens. And someone wrote in and asked about, what do you do when your teens break your trust? How do you help them rebuild that trust? What does that process look like? And so I shared some on Instagram and just got so many responses that I thought we should dive more deeply into it than I can do on Instagram. But we're we're talking about breaking things, Jesse, breaking trust. <laughs> we also broke another streak. We'll get to the breaking trust, by the way. That was a weird segue. Um, oh, I, I thought you were going somewhere else. I, I just dropped my phone. Well, yes, you just dropped your phone, but I'm actually going in a different direction. Let's just hop on all these rabbit trails. We will get back to the breaking trust. We broke a streak that we've had for 19 years this past week and was also involving breaking things. We had our very first broken bone in our home that was a child. I have broken multiple bones, Jesse. You've broken multiple bones. I Mm -hmm. broke my elbow and my wrist, and then I broke my hand in a car accident a few years ago. What you've broken, what all have you broken? (laughs) My two, uh, my ulna and my radius in my left arm at the same time. I was going to say, if you tell me your ulna and your radius, I'm going to be like, where are those? (laughs) Need more details. Um, I fell into a basement. You You need to clarify that a little bit. The house was being built. And the basement was dug. Was it mm-hmm. cement? Was it cement when I fell into it? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay, because you know there's dirt first and then the cement. Yes, I was so. seven, I think, mm-hmm. something like that. And I was racing a friend of mine down the driveway that had been poured. And he was on the inside towards the front of the house. And then I was on the outside. And he jumped into a sand pit that would be the uh, front porch. And I just looked over and kept going into where the driveway, the uh, garage door would be and tripped on the, the, uh, step. Was it a step? No, it wasn't a step. It was just kind of raised part of the cement with rebar sticking out of it and flipped in, and fell into the basement. You could have gotten hurt a lot worse. I, could, I, I have thought about that so many times, how badly I could have gotten hurt. It's amazing, honestly, that you didn't break more things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I braced myself with my left hand and it just got both of them. My the, my left arm, not my hand, my arm. My break was kind of a unique story. I'm trying to think if we've told it here on the podcast. Um have we? Have we told? I don't think so. Okay. So, we will get it to the broken bone at our house, but little another rabbit trail here. <laughs> Who has it HD? <laughs> uh so I was growing up, we would always do this thing where my brother would ride the bike and I would 
go behind him with a rope attached to the back of the bicycle. And we had the banana seats on the bicycle. Is that, mm-hmm. I think that's dating myself to say that. <laughs> that would be the eighties. And there was the little, at the back of the banana seat, there was this little curved up metal piece that you could tie a rope onto. And so we tie a rope on there and then he would pull me, I would have my roller skates on and he would ride the bike. And he's three years younger than me. And he would like to go really fast, which I enjoyed it, but sometimes he scared me with how fast he was going. So we went into the neighbor's driveway and he was turning and I was like, slow down, slow down. And of course, brothers being brothers, he sped up and kind of swerved. And then I fell on and braced myself with my arm and it hurt really badly. I came in the house, didn't want to keep playing, did not want to keep roller skating, told my parents. And I just remember sitting on the couch for the rest of the day with my arm hurting so badly, just not wanting to do anything. And my parents were like, ah, it's it's probably fine. It's probably fine. I think I was maybe 10. No, I would have been, I was probably eight or nine. Um, Anyway, so the next day we went to church and there was a chiropractor who went to our church. And so my dad, because I hadn't stopped talking about how my arm had hurt, he asked the chiropractor to adjust my arm and let me just say that that was this searing shooting bolt of pain that came through my body that shot through my body whenever he adjusted my arm uh because the next day finally my parents did take me in and we did in fact discover that both my elbow and my wrist were broken Mm. and uh yes so since then, my parents, they've apologized. They felt so terrible. It was their first broken bone as well. But I think I've become a lot more, I'm much more sensitive to our children possibly breaking something because of that situation. So we've been in to have x-rays for broken things, I believe, at least a few times with Silas that we thought that I think his finger and we've gone in and then Micah went in recently because we thought he had hurt his arm. It was just he had nursemaid's elbow. But Silas's finger, well, you tell the story. Well, he thought he had dislocated it. He didn't think he broke it. So we were playing flag football at a father-son flag football event on Sunday. And he was... It was kind of muddy out, so he was uh, going for a ball. We were playing defense, and I don't. He was wearing receiver gloves, so it it wasn't like it um, got stuck in the mud, just his finger um, out in the open. But it did get caught, and he thought when when he dove for the ball, it got caught. And like I said, he thought he um, had dislocated it, and so when he went off the field was kind of obviously in pain saying he dislocated it. He, Did you see his finger at this I point? I didn't see it at this point, but then he was you were so busy there. making and, your and touchdown. I was, and yeah, I scored a touchdown while he was on the sidelines. Getting I got an interception too. He was like, whatever. You know, he, he was doing okay. He does uh, have I, very high pain. He has a very high pain, yes. but he was laughing. Okay. And what, and turns out he was laughing because he looked at his finger and saw it going the opposite direction. And he knew that something was was wrong that it was made possibly wasn't dislocated because he wanted to play through it. He said, Hey dad, can you reset it? And like, "Mm, no. And so we took him to the minor emergency. Um, Shortly thereafter they did an x-ray and they said, yeah, it's not dislocated. That's a clean break right above the growth plate. So we then went and saw an ortho the next day and got his opinion of it, got another x-ray and we're on the road to recovery. 
Yeah. And I'm grateful because it's right between basketball and baseball season. Mm-hmm. Basketball season just ended and baseball, they're just in the gearing up and practicing stage. For middle and school. Mm-hmm. So games won't start for how many more weeks till games start? Five or six. And they said he should, has, he should be fully healed, healed in mm-hmm. six weeks if he's real careful with yep. it. So that is the key. If real he's careful. real careful. Yes. I, this I, is my son and he's probably not going to be just because he, uh, he's been, he pushes the envelope a little bit and wants to be active. So, yeah. Yes. I think that it's going to be interesting after a few more days of him not being able to go shoot baskets and do the mm-hmm. things that he usually does at school because was, he loves I was on to. the way to baseball practice yesterday and I was pulling in, there were some kids playing out on the football field and there was somebody out on the football field and it, it, I thought, oh, Silas is out there throwing the football with his hand like this. I said, it looks just like Silas. And then I was, I was going to uh, holler down at Silas. And then as I was watching, I looked and he was actually coming out the door. It just, just happened that the kid looked just like him. Well, they all wear similar clothes because they have a uniform that they have. It's not an exact uniform, but they have to wear similar things. Mm -hmm. They have strict dress code, I should say. And when I go there at lunchtime, if I need to find him for some reason, it is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. They're all out there playing and I'm trying to find the, the child that is running the fastest and playing with the most passion. That's usually Silas, but Uh there are so many boys that are really engaged and they all look, they all have the same hairstyle. So I usually just have to wait there because it's very rare that I can actually pick him out from the sea of boys that all look alike. But I'm grateful that he didn't have to get pins and that there was no surgery, nothing. And so it was the best case scenario and Mm -hmm. it was in between basketball. He's had a great attitude about it all as well. He has. And he was also really glad because he got a doctor's note that said he didn't have to take notes in class. So (laughs) he did tell me now he has kind of figured out how to write with it, but he said his handwriting is trash is what he said. It was really cool because they made a a custom splint for him and with leather and the nurse or technician, she put on the Velcro straps. I mean, she assembled this thing from scratch. I was impressed. Not only was I impressed, I was thinking, man, that's going to be a lot of money. <laughs> but yeah, it fits like a glove and it's really amazing. It's so nice the because the, I feel like one. they've really moved away from plaster cast as much as possible. Because when I had broken my um, hand, remember they put that custom cast on that mm-hmm. they made, but I could take it off. And they said I could take it off once a day, which is so nice because having a cast that you cannot take off, that can really eat at you. So we got quite a bit of response to last week's episode. And I have been today getting this meme sent to me again and again and again and again from people who listened to last week's episode. If you did not listen to last week's episode, this is not going to make any sense. So you need to go back and listen to it. But the meme is, guys, if your wife has started making her own bread, then you might as well start building a chicken coop now. (laughs) (laughs) And the, the caption of it, it was from Mother Hen's Homestead. It was like, which came first, the chicken or the bread? (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) 
but I, every time when I open up my messages on Instagram, more people have sent it to me. So I don't, I think I'm going to wear it with a badge of honor that someone would see that meme and instantly think of me because that probably wouldn't have crossed people's minds to think of me with that meme a few months ago. So next thing you know, she's going to have a whole spreadsheet about the different kinds of chickens that she wants to get. (laughs) Another thing that's not happening. (laughs) I don't think the spreadsheet is going to happen, but I have been researching something that I've really been getting the itch to do is to grow flowers, like grow really nice flowers. I don't know why TikTok, TikTok has been serving up all these gardener <laughs> videos are, for me. Are they gardeners from the North Sea? Oh my goodness. TikTok <laughs> keeps showing me North Sea videos. I think it's a, you watch one and then apparently they have a whole plethora of them and you can't stop watching because it's just fascinating. And if you have never watched them before, just go Google. Looks like a shipwreck going to happen. The North Sea. Literally. How are people, how are people in boats on that sea? I don't know. But... Yes, I've been thinking of growing, how I can grow some flowers. I don't know. I'm still working on it. How I can grow some flowers without destroying the backyard because it looks so amazing. They're just going to their backyard and cutting all these flowers for these floral bouquets. And You're not going to be doing floral bouquets, too. (laughs) It just... (laughs) That's... Uh, Yeah, so I'm... I'm going to start crying. That's, That's pretty good. That is just currently my thing that I've been strategizing and thinking about. I have been reading a book this week that I have related to so much. It's called The Gift of Limitations by Sarah Haggerty. I'm actually going to have her on the podcast really soon and can't wait to have a conversation with her. I believe it's going to be next week that the episode is going to come out, but this book is all about finding beauty in your boundaries. And I didn't know anything about her. I'd heard her name before. I knew she was writer. That was it. Well, she has seven children and four of them were adopted internationally after they had, I believe, 12 years of infertility. Really? And then she has three biological children. And so she's straddling teenagers and toddlers and she just talks about her journey. And I have related to it so much because... Going through 10 years of secondary infertility, having these three older kids and getting through diapers and sippy cups and middle of the night feedings and waking up in the middle of the night and car seats and potty training and all of that. Why would anybody do that? And then to go back to it, (laughs) I've related to so much of what she's talking about of this. Like she had these years and years and years where they didn't have any children. And now all of a sudden they have this very full house. And just how the gift of limitations of Mm -hmm. in where she's at in life, the limits that are on her and how she's processed through that. And it's just been so encouraging to my heart to remember this is where God has me and to not look to, oh, when we just get through Mm -hmm. potty training, oh, when we just get everybody sleeping through the night, oh, when we just get everybody out of car seats. You know, it's just so easy to look to the next stage and to just kind of long for that and think, oh, it's going to be this when I get to that. Well, when you get to that point, when the children are older, then you're going to be looking back saying, oh, I wish I had that still. And yeah, bloom where you're planted. 
And so just to savor the limitations in this season of life. So I can't wait to have the conversation with her, but I wanted to mention the book because I'm almost finished with it and I have loved it so much and it's just resonated deeply with me. And even if you're in a very, very different season of life where your limitations are completely different, I still feel like what she shares can be applicable no matter what. I just have personally, it's rare that I read a book that I really connect with the author like that because I'm just in a unique situation. And so I didn't know what the book was. I didn't even know know, when I was considering having her on the podcast, I didn't know that God really wanted the book for me to really, really encourage me. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you maybe go for a run or take a nap or read a book or get together with a friend? Well, I know that a lot of people I talk to wish that they had time to better their spiritual, emotional, physical health. And one way that you can do that is through therapy. I am a huge fan of therapy because in our home, it has been something that has made a major, major difference in the way that we approach life and the way that we think and the way that we raise our kids in helping our kids and ourselves to have better emotional language around how we're feeling and not let our feelings just come out sideways as anger. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I would recommend giving BetterHelp a try because it's entirely online. You don't have to leave your home. And get this, you don't have to go out searching for a therapist. Not only is it convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule because it's online, but you go to BetterHelp and fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And also, if that isn't a good fit, you can switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. It's time to make time for something that is going to feed your soul and help you to become stronger and healthier as a person, not only emotionally and spiritually and mentally, but also I think there's going to be a trickle down effect physically too. Visit betterhelp.com slash crystal pain today and you're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash crystal pain. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. I got to try out Armoire and I was so impressed. I've tried a few other clothing rental services in the past few years and this one by far has been my favorite. Not only did I love taking the style quiz because it was really enlightening and insightful to me to figure out what my style is and it kind of helped me to refine some things that I didn't realize before. I'm more of a classic style, by the way. But also... I was super impressed within what they curated for me to pick from for my case that they would send to me. And I have to tell you, so I got the armoire case in the mail, which is just a fancy way of saying the bag of clothes that they sent to me. And I have loved 
every single one. In fact, I'm wearing one pair of jeans that they sent me yesterday. I wore jeans and a sweater that they sent to me. And I have just been so surprised how they nailed my style, nailed my size, and have sent me clothes that I have loved. So they have so many different clothes to choose from, so many different styles and sizes. And I love that they're all very high quality. If you would like to try out Armoire. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit Armoire Style forward slash crystal. That's Armoire Style, A R M O I R E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Are you ready to turn your home into a sanctuary of productivity and inspiration? Look no further than HomeThreads, where functionality meets stylish organization. At HomeThreads.com, you'll discover furniture designed for the ambitious go-getter. From efficient workstations to chic storage solutions, they've got everything you need to make your home a hub of success. I got to order from HomeThreads and I think of them pretty much every single day because I have this beautiful tree that I ordered from them and this stand in my office and it just adds the perfect touch and I love it so much. If you'd like to order from HomeThreads, head over to homethreads.com forward slash crystal and get a code for 15% off your order because where your home supports your dreams, anything is possible. That's homethreads.com forward slash crystal to get 15% off. HomeThreads, love where you live. Okay, what to do? when our kids break trust. And I have just thought about this a lot the last few days because of this conversation that we had on Instagram. And the initial question that someone asked me just really made me stop and think and ponder because I think that all of us have, if we have children, whether they're, I mean, maybe not if they're a newborn, but if they're older than a newborn We've experienced where a child has done something that is, in a sense, has broken our trust. And when they're really little, you know, it's maybe that they told us that they didn't have a poopy diaper when they actually did, or (laughs) they didn't play with that toy or draw on the wall or whatever it is. And, you know, they actually did. So it's, it's in a very different sense as to when they get older and they're driving a car away and the trust issues are on a whole other level. But I really feel like it starts when they're young. And the initial question came from someone asking, what age do you stop monitoring location and phone when you're paying for it and they've proved deceptive? But this leads to a much deeper sort of conversation because I think that it's important that we start from the get-go. You know, not if your kids are 14, 16, 18, 24, that's a different place. But if you have children who are two, four, and six, this is the perfect time for you to start talking about trust Mm -hmm. and about the importance of trust and trusting your parents and building trust. And I think that we can sometimes forget to have those conversations until they break our trust. And then all of a sudden we freak out because it was unexpected. Like it never is, I feel like 
it can come at you just really in unexpected ways. And then you're left kind of reeling like, what do I do with this? And um, someone sent in this quote that I thought was so good. They wrote, we use a bucket of water to illustrate trust with our children. We tell them it is earned drop by drop gradually over time, but it is lost by the bucket in an instant with one poor choice. It can be earned back, but again, drop by drop. Our children are younger still, so this has been a helpful thing for them to visualize. And I, I loved that visualization of, you know, you build trust. It's not a one and done or a simple thing. It's something that is over time. And as I was answering this question, it took me back to two instances in the last few years where two different children have broken trust. Mm-hmm. And one situation was a child who lied about something on social media. And um, I was told that something was said and I went and talked to that child and they denied that that had happened. And then I was able to confirm that what they had denied was in fact a lie. And so then going to them and confronting that and then what do you do? You know, and I think first off, stopping and really taking a breath. It's so easy when we find that our child has lied or done something that can be kind of shocking to react in a really passionate way out of our own frustration or shock or shame or anger instead of stopping to really assess the situation and pray for wisdom from the Holy Spirit as to how to address that with our child. I know I can just rush into worst case scenarios. And it's so easy for us in those spaces where something like that has happened to parent out of pride or fear or selfishness. So it could be pride because we are so afraid of our reputation. And we're thinking of our child did this thing and if other people find out or other people have already found out, and then we're so you know, it's our reputation is on the line and we think about what other people are going to think about us. And so then we're angry and we're reacting out of anger, but it's really about our own dysfunction, about caring about our reputation and other people's approval or fear. It's easy to play this out and think of 10 years down the road. You know, if they're making these decisions now, 10 years down the road, they're going to be in jail. They're going to be making horrible decisions. And so then we overreact because of us having fear of the future or our own selfishness of like this upset the apple cart. This is going to take time that I have to deal with and I don't want to have to deal with this. You made a mess and it's just selfishness of us having to take a lot of time and effort to clean up a mess. And so really stopping to think, how am I responding? Am I responding with the Holy Spirit and seeking the Lord to give me wisdom to walk with this child and for them to feel really loved? Or am I responding out of my own fear or pride or selfishness? I think that that analysis is a second level analysis. The first response, not even being an analysis at all and being a knee jerk response. My guess is 90% of the time that's going to be what happens. Then once you sit back and start thinking about it, then you can think, oh, why am I responding that way? As opposed to thinking that the first time. At least I think that that's how I would be. I would say that that used to be me. 
but I've really, since I've tried to be a lot more aware Mm -hmm. of what I'm feeling and where I'm reacting out of to see that if I feel that tension rising inside me, anger rising inside me, like that frustration, that there's a root of that that is really unhealthy. And Mm -hmm. so before I address it with my child, I need to first address it with myself. Well, a lot of times too, and I'm thinking how I would react in that kind of situation, you know, um, that reaction would actually lead to other problems and you would just exacerbate the situation rather than help. Even though you're thinking, oh, this is going to help. It's not going to help. It's not going to help to lash out because one, you're going to have to come back and apologize. And two, it's not going to communicate well what you're trying to communicate. Well, and I think also we will tend to, if we're reacting, we will then tend to react in a way that might not be in kind with the actual thing that happened. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you are never going to get to go with that friend ever, ever, ever again. You know, I'm cutting off all whatever, you know, take your phone away. You can't have it for the next three years. When in reality, that's not going to happen. Right. And so to stop and assess before we have the conversation. And sometimes it can only be a very short amount of time. And I've just really tried to stop and pray. God, help them to feel love through me. And then just really, where's my heart right now before I go have that conversation? And sometimes I want to go have that conversation immediately. Like, you know, there's something that's been done that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But to take a few minutes or sometimes even longer for me to get into the space where I can address it, not out of my own anger, not of my own fear, pride, or selfishness. And so I think that that has been so, so helpful for me. But then also, I think starting from that space of building that trust with our kids from the time that they're young and to recognize that the things that we are allowing them to do, those are privileges. And for them to see that that is not a right, it is a privilege to have a phone or go be with friends or drive a car or have a job. Like Those are privileges. And so if they feel like that is their right to get to go where they want, to have their phone, to make these choices, to be with these people, to do these things, then that's going to really cause a lot of friction. And so it is a privilege. But if you don't live up to our expectation for you, if you break trust, then you will lose that privilege. And for me, it's not just about kind of, you know, creating this thing. I'm trying to stifle them. Whatever. It's about safety. You know, if you, if I can't trust you, I don't want you going out and driving a car. That's not safe for yourself. That's not safe for anyone else. That is a privilege. And, you know, it's the same thing with social media, with having a phone, with being able to text people, with going out with friends, you know, so these conversations need to start when they're much younger versus waiting until they're older to really understand and explain the concept of trust. So in the case of that, where the child lied to me, you know, having a conversation and asking literally to them saying, why? You know, a lot of times I found, and not in a way that would put them on the defense, but really leaning in and loving and asking in a curious way. Explain to me why you did that. You know, 
And this child then told me how they immediately, after they'd done it, felt a lot of shame and guilt. They knew it was the wrong thing. And then they didn't know how to undo it. Mm -hmm. And so they'd been carrying that around. And so for us to have the conversation, for there to be consequences, I actually feel like it was this freeing thing for them because they'd been feeling this shame and guilt over this. And so Mm -hmm. we, we talked about it and we talked about the thoughts before you, you know, posted that, what was going through your head. And it just, it opened up the door to a really great conversation. And so I would say, before you go to consequences, have a conversation or multiple conversations, because it is so easy for us to jump to just, here's what's going to happen. Here's the consequence. And you don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. You don't hear their heart. And sometimes I will change the consequences that I was thinking of giving based upon how that conversation goes. And sometimes it will be stricter and sometimes it will be less strict because sometimes I really sense that there's a lot of repentance and humility and a desire to do the right thing. And other times when we have that conversation, it just escalates into them being super disrespectful and not listening. And so then I know, okay, This is going to be a much longer period of time that we're going to work on rebuilding trust. I also think it's super important that once you have that conversation, that you outline why and how they broke your trust and explain to them why. So for instance, with the social media thing, explaining how that could really cause issues for them, how there were some things that the fallout from that could be a really negative thing and for them to recognize that. And it's not just me being this strict mom. It's because I really care about their heart. Same thing with maybe them getting phone privileges or driving for, for you to really explain to them the why behind it and the possibility of where this could lead. And that's not, you know, parenting out of fear. It's really helping them to see things. Because I know a lot of times they won't be thinking of the future. They'll be thinking of today. And so helping them to play it out and think of the future. And then I, I think it's important that we clearly outline the consequences and don't just say, well, we'll see whenever, you know, but give them specifics of not necessarily a time frame of you can't have your phone for three weeks, but we're going to be taking the phone away for the next few weeks and we're going to see how it goes. And this is what we need from you during that time period. We need you to show respect, to tell the truth. We need you to be willing to do what we ask of you and that we might also say no to some other things that you want to do or that you ask to do because you need to be working on rebuilding trust. And this is a time frame where you're going to be rebuilding trust. And then we'll see in a few weeks where we're at. But giving them very specifics of what rebuilding trust is going to look like and what is expected of them and that you want them to rebuild trust with you, that you want that for them and you want that for their future, that you care about their future and that telling the truth and being honest and not going behind someone's back That is so important when they're in a job, when they're in a relationship. These are life skills that they need to have. And so it's a really serious thing 
to break trust. And so for them to understand that and to take that to heart and for them to see that you're not angry with them, you're sad, you're sad with them. And you want to sit with them and you want to love them and walk with them. And then I would also say during that time period where they're working on rebuilding trust to go out of your way to show them love, to spend extra time with them, to do things that they love, to be interested in what they're interested in. Maybe you plan something fun to do with them, to just really make sure that it's not just a one-way sort of thing, that you are also meeting them where they're at, that you're working on helping facilitate the building of trust. Because really, I feel like it's not just our kids building trust with us. It's also us building trust with our kids. And so I think it's important for us as parents to think, what can we do to help facilitate that? And so for me, sometimes that looks like, you know, having these conversations, our kids really hearing our heart and understanding how much we love them, how much we care about them. Having conversations often about the importance of building and keeping trust and about how we take the breaking of trust very, very seriously so that they've heard that and they understand that. And then also building and maintaining trust with them by investing time and being super involved in their lives and seeking to keep our word and set a good example. We can't expect from our kids what we're not doing ourselves. It's not a one-way thing. It goes both ways. And so what would that look like to really be rebuilding with your child and you putting forth a lot of effort as well? There are no perfect parents. There is no perfect way to parent. And there are going to be struggles. There are going to be challenges. But I just want to encourage everyone listening that we can love our kids well. We can parent from a place of understanding how much we're loved by God. And whenever we start to feel that tension, that stress, that frustration, that anger rising in our hearts, to see that as a red flag, to stop, to check our heart. Where am I parenting out of a place that is unhealthy and dysfunctional? Where am I maybe bringing my own childhood wounds or my past baggage into the situation and projecting it on my child? How am I reacting instead of am I being proactive? And really spending time seeking the Lord, praying for wisdom as we parent our kids, asking the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit into these conversations to give us the wisdom that we need for our child to feel so loved. And then taking the next step and asking for wisdom for the next step and the next step and the next step. And really parenting is leaning and relying upon the Lord. And I feel like for me, it has caused me to lean and rely upon the Lord like nothing else really has, but it's so good. And it just reminds me constantly of how much I need Jesus and how that without him, it's impossible to do this parenting thing and to do it well and to love my kids from a really pure heart of how much I'm loved by God. If you are struggling as a parent, you're listening to this and you're thinking, I wish you could give me more practical advice of how do I get to that place of loving my kids well, understanding how much I'm loved by God. I'm just so frustrated with my kids all the time. I have a free 10-day course that I did when I launched Love-Centered Parenting that is still available. 
10 Days to Be a Happier Mom. And it's really just helping you to pair it from that place of calmness and peace and to work through your own baggage and the lies that you believe about yourself that you're living under and leading with that are causing you to parent from that place of fear, pride, selfishness, and causing you to go around just feeling frustrated at your kids or irritated with your kids or just constantly on edge about when's the next bad thing going to happen, but to just get to that place of peace and calmness to parent your kids understanding how much you're loved by God. So we will link to that in the show notes. It is a 10-day course. It's completely free. And I hope that it really, really encourages your heart if you are struggling as a mom or even if you're a dad. I think you could still, it was specifically written for moms, but I think it could really encourage any parent's heart to parent from that place of peace and joy and knowing how much you're loved by God. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.